Well, good morning, church. It's great to be with you this morning. For those of you who might not know who I am, my name's Mike. Um, and as you're no doubt already aware from Josh's reading, we are looking at probably the most familiar section in the entire book of Hebrews. Most people who read their Bible uh, know the rough content of Hebrews chapter 11. It's got a whole stack of uh, people from the Old Testament and um, and they're here in chapter 11 because they're regarded as people of faith. A few days ago, I did a, just a five-minute Google search for what names different commentators have used to describe Hebrews chapter 11. And some of the names that they've used include Roll Call of Heroes, perhaps one I'm most familiar with, uh, Heroes of the Faith. Uh, other titles are Hall of Faith or Hall of Fame. And then we get to, to interesting ones like Heaven's Heroes or Hebrews Heroes, because I guess good alliteration is important. It soon becomes apparent that most descriptions revolve around the concept of them being heroes. Now, I don't in any way want to downplay the courage, faith and tenacity of these people over the course of their lives. Men and women who endured far more than I'm ever likely to come close to. But it seems to me, as I continue to read through Hebrews 11, the real he hero here is actually God. That all his love, creativity and power came together to create what he himself described as being good. Only to have the pinnacle of his creation do the one thing they were told not to do. Yet still, his love, grace, his presence and patience are interspersed throughout the lives of the people we read about in Hebrews chapter 11. What these men and women accomplished, the courage they displayed, their willingness to persevere through circumstances we can only ever imagine are extraordinary. But that which they became renowned for, their faith, is really of only significance because of who their faith was focused upon who it was that they relied upon, whose word they trusted, whose promises they held on to regardless of the external influences in their lives. Hebrews 11 is perhaps the quintessential passage in this pandemic season we find ourselves in because it points to a fundamental, essential principle that every Christian understands, in fact embraces, but although we would all say we live by faith, yet sometimes that statement can simply become a Christian catchphrase, if we're honest. It isn't always reflected in the way we live our lives. The length of our lockdown, the breadth of the restrictions, the deep divisions that are apparent in our society are such that if we're not alert, they become part of our own thoughts, emotions and attitudes a subtle shift begins to take place. Despite what we know in our heart, this is a season perhaps unlike anything other we've ever experienced, where the potential to conform to the world in our thoughts, our words and actions are as powerful as they've ever been. Not meeting together with God's people or seeing our friends only lends itself to this. Small group meetings via Zoom as our small group has found out, has been a real blessing. But we all know and understand it's not quite the same as the real thing. 
Then thoughts go through our minds like, how can others really know or understand my struggles if we cannot sit down and talk face to face? Or the temptation is there to think that the isolation we feel relates to a lack of care by others who seem just so far away. I don't think we should be surprised with how the world is consumed by COVID-19 because it cuts to the heart of where their confidence lies. It undermines their sense of security. It might be their job or their future retirement, their freedom to go and do and say whatever they want. It could be their finances or their relationships where so many people find hope, confidence, confidence, comfort and security. When these things are taken away, it brings out many hard issues that point, I think, to one of the overriding emotions so many people feel in this season, and that's an emotion that that leads to fear. The foundation their lives established upon begins to crumble when something like a pandemic comes along, and fear becomes the controlling factor. Apart from Christ, I can understand why people are marching in the streets, why some are committed to vaccination while others are so distrustful of the authorities they feel there's some sort of hidden agenda there. You see, they're controlled by one of the most powerful of human emotions, fear as to what the future might hold. Will I lose my job or even have one to go back to? Will I ever get to see my family and friends again? Will there be more mutations that will cause us to be locked down again when things return to some semblance of of normality? I was only reading during the week that in the UK they're having 50,000 positive cases a a day and there's real concern that perhaps they opened up too much too quickly. How do we, those who proclaim Christ as Lord, react at this time? How do we watch the news listen to political commentators, read articles in the paper or on the net, talk with neighbours or work colleagues and not be held captive by these same fears. There is no single answer, but Hebrews 11 gives us a glimpse of what it might look like to be able to look beyond our own circumstances and see the bigger picture. The chapter starts with describing what faith is and follows that description with some practical examples of what it looked like for some of God's people. Finally, we'll look at faith's resolve and faith's ultimate source. Firstly, let's look at chapter 11 and verse 1. Faith described. Faith is described by the words assurance and conviction. Assurance of things hoped for. Now, unfortunately, the way the term hope is used today is so far removed from the biblical concept that it becomes very confusing. In the common vernacular, when we say we hope something will happen, there's not really any confidence in it it happening because there are so many factors outside our control that make it a 50-50 chance at best. We'd love our sporting team to win, but we know we have no control over that. We'd love the weather to be nice on the weekend when we've got a few days off. Again, um, we have no control over the weather. We'd like our exam results to go really well. 
But who knows, perhaps there's a couple of questions that we weren't prepared for and we haven't studied for. But when the Bible refers to the hope followers of Christ have, it speaks to an unshakable confidence, an assurance in the one who has said it will be. We have a hope laid up for us in heaven, we're told. When Timothy is told our hope is set on the living God, there is no doubt in the writer's mind as to the veracity of that. When Paul encourages Titus that the hope of eternal life is sure because he never lies and he has promised before the ages began. The writer to the Hebrews wasn't crossing his fingers as he wrote what Cam shared last week, Hebrews 10.23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Peter tells us we have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, this is not something that's a 50-50 chance. This is a hope that we have full confidence in because it comes from God. Where our steadfast hope is on God, there's no gambling involved, there's no guesswork. It's not a toss of the coin. We have faith in his word because it is he who is promising it. Well, we're told also that faith is conviction of things not seen. And this is true of many things the Christian holds dear. Verse 3 gives us an example through creation. We actually weren't there for the creation. But we know that the world, world was created by the word of God. God's word tells us that. But the same is true for many other areas of our lives. The same is true of when Jesus will return. We can be sure that that will transpire in his timing. The point is that faith brings a conviction that what God says will come to pass. As God, his promises are true. They will eventuate in his time. No matter what science or psychology or anthropology, human logic, doesn't matter what the latest self-help book says, regardless of our previous experiences even or how we feel, faith takes us beyond what we see, touch, feel or smell and gives us the conviction that God's word will ultimately be be fulfilled and revealed. Faith believes what God revealed and trusts what he has promised. And so after that brief discussion on faith, the writer, perhaps understanding the need for us to have some practical examples of what that looks like, spends the rest of the chapter doing just that giving us examples of how faith is modelled. And this is accomplished through the characters of the Old Testament that most of us are very familiar with. And it's interspersed by various interpretive statements that help us to understand how these individuals exhibited their faith in their own walk. So in verse 6, we're told about, as we're told about Abel and Enoch, we note that it pleased God. And then it goes on to say, without faith it is impossible to please him, for everyone would draw near to God, must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Noah, we go on to read, is a classic example of the reward of faithful obedience, even though it took 100 years. You recall a rich man came to Jesus once, 
proclaiming he kept all the commands. So what more did he need to do, he asked Jesus. And Jesus, knowing what was going on in his heart, says, sell all you have, give to the poor, and come follow me. Jesus wanted him to express real faith in the true word of God. And that rich man went away sad because he had a lot of what this world has to offer. Abraham is used as an example of not setting our hearts on the here and now. So in verse 16 we read, But as it is, they desire a better country, that is a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. From verses 17 we see that Abraham, Jacob and Joseph did not consider what man thinks is impossible as too difficult for God. That was how their faith was expressed. We move on to verses 23 to 28 and we read about Moses and his parents and how their faith allowed them to stand against the rulers who issued decrees that they opposed because they chose to obey God, not man. It is said in verse 27, they were not afraid of the anger of the king, for they endured as seeing him who is invisible. And then as we, as we journey through Hebrews 11 from verse 27, we see a number of characters. We're going all the way down to verse 38. We read these incredibly moving words that God desired for you and I to read. He says, they are of whom the world was not worthy. I'm sure like me, you've been to funeral services where you've reflected on words like this. I know I've been to a number of funerals in the past and one of my reflections was, as I left that funeral, I actually feel I'm a better person for having known to these people, for actually being involved in the lives of these people. Chapter 11 closes out by reminding us that the people mentioned didn't receive what was promised in their lifetime that a full restoration of relationship with God that was fractured forever. A restoration that ultimately is going to be expressed through the promised Messiah that they look forward to. While it's true that some of God's promises are fulfilled directly, in fact daily, his care, his provision, his faithfulness, promises, I might add, that sometimes we might take for granted, It is not these promises that the writer refers to here. No one who is being fed to the lions, sawn into or tortured or mocked for their faith, as many of these folk were, are thinking about the here and now. They're thinking about the promises that await them in the future. Like the people here in 11, when our health is failing, when we face injustice, when relationships are at breaking point, When being a Christian brings ridicule, when fear of COVID-19 and what it could do is so relevant, or when our very lives are in the balance, it's the big ticket items we hold on to. That he will never leave us nor forsake us. That we have one who was tempted in every way as we were, as we are, yet was without sin. 
John 14, 2, Jesus himself says, In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I would not have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. You see, like the people we've just read about, not all of the promises of God we know will ultimately be fulfilled in our lifetime. But faith tells us his promises, his word can be depended upon. Both the believers mentioned in Hebrews 11 and all those who were to follow have a promise that we will all enjoy together. Uh, The phrase already but not yet is true in this sense, that those who have gone before are already enjoying what we can only dream of. But imagine the day when we, together with all those who have gone before, are united in glory, when there will be a new heaven and earth, like Abraham in chapter in verse 11 he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God those old testament saints exercised their faith by looking forward toward the messiah and by extension the cross through which he would bring restoration we look back to the cross acknowledging by faith its transforming power and thus Christ unites us all, brings us all into the the kingdom of God that we can celebrate together. Yet through these incredible statements, there's a few pertinent observations that I'd like to make as we reflect on the characters modelled before us here in Hebrews chapter 11. Firstly, they weren't all perfect, were they? We can't help but know that as, we've, as we read the lives of these individuals. They weren't perfect. They had their flaws. Yet still, God commends them based on their faith, their trust in the promises of God. Secondly, it was not their deeds that led them to be included in, the, in this list. It was not what they did that caused them to be recorded here in Hebrews chapter 11. It was their faith. It was their unshakable belief in the promises of God. This is even more commendable because they lived the other side of the cross. Sure, the Spirit moved among them, visited them, even empowered them at times. But but God the Spirit now dwells within each and every believer. While some had a few of the Old Testament scriptures to reflect upon, yet none had the inspired canon of the Bible that we have today, where we can go and be encouraged and blessed as we read of God and his promises and what he has in store for us and what he's done for us. Thirdly, it was God who commended them. It is he who can see what no one else can. I mean, if we were writing a list, which of these might we leave out? Would we include someone who couldn't wait for God to fulfil his promise and took things into his own hands? Or a king whose lust led to ordering the death of a woman's husband? Would we include someone who scoffed when they were told of God's promise of a child? 
Would we include one whose disobedience would preclude him from ever entering the promised land? Or a man who would murder an Egyptian and try to hide it? Would a womanizer or a man whose sons grew up to disgrace him be mentioned in this list if we were writing it? Or perhaps for some of us, most surprising at all, of all, would we include a prostitute in Hebrews 11? You see, we can tend to view people through the lens of this 21st century middle-class comfort that we enjoy. But God, we know, looks at the heart. And I love that the Bible shows us many of these heroes of faith, warts and all. That's encouraging to me. And it's with this thought in mind that we come to see a faith that perseveres as we have a look at Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Faith that perseveres. The Hebrew Christians we know had grown weary. We're told back in chapter 3, Take care, brethren, lest there should be any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart in falling away from the living God, but encourage one another day after day, as long as it's still called today, lest any one of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Some of the Hebrews were indifferent. So in chapter 5, we're told by this time you ought to be teachers. You have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. Still others were becoming weak in their faith. Hebrews 12 verse 12, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble and make straight paths for your feet so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. Now I appreciate they were doing it tough. They were facing very real persecution for their faith. False teaching was rampant in the early church and things hadn't quite gone according to the timeline that many in the early church thought. Many people in the early church thought that Jesus was was coming back in a very short period of time. That's why chapter 12 and verse 1 is one of the key points in understanding the book of Hebrews. Running with endurance, perseverance in the faith, you will recall has been encouraged time and time as we've journeyed through Hebrews, hasn't it? So we're told here in chapter 12 and verse 1, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so easily and let us run with endurance the race that is set out for us. With the backdrop of chapter 11, with such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us run with perseverance the race set out for us. Now this term witness could mean that the saints are up there watching what's going on, watching how we live our life. Or as it seems to fit better to me, their witness inspires us as we continue to run the race set out for us. I think this is also in keeping with the statement in Chapter 11 and verse 4, where Abel, we're told, though he had died, still speaks. Though Abel is dead, there are still lessons for us to learn. There are encouragements to be had. John Piper uses the setting of a marathon, whereas we run the race, the witnesses of men and women around of the past testify that it can be done. So if we're called to leave home, 
There's Abraham saying, I did it, so can you. Maybe our life is in turmoil because of sin. David's life shows that adultery and even causing the death of another person does not exclude us from running the race. Sarah cries out, so what if you're old? Keep running. God has plans that just might surprise you. Rahab says, the world as you know it may be falling around you, yet I'm proof that faith will see you overcome. Don't worry what others think of you. Moses and his parents inspire us to make God's word the determining factor in how we live our lives, not man. We're told faith turns weakness into strength. Through faith, God's people are described as being not worthy of this world. Friends, one of the reasons the Bible talks so much and shares so many different characters is so that we might be encouraged to learn from them, to learn from their mistakes and their triumphs. And together they bear witness as we run the race that is set out for us. They cry out, if I can do it, so can you. Be encouraged. If faith caused me to accomplish anything, so it will, so it can for you. Because God is faithful and he's promised such. Why? Because these people are just like us. They all experience the highs and lows of life. Some of the extremes we may never know, yes. Yet like us, it is faith in the one whose promises are true. Faith in the one who does not change like shifting sands. Faith in the one who rewards those who earnestly seek him. Faith in the one who is the giver of life. Faith in the one who will welcome us into his presence, based not on works, but on a living faith. As a side note, I really encourage you, if you're not in the habit of reading biographies, they will give you the same, that same sense of having others there to inspire and encourage you in persevering the race that is set out for you. Biographies do a wonderful thing of helping us to see people warts and all and how God's faithfulness, uh, God's promises help these people to endure. Well, in closing, verse 2 of chapter 12 introduces us to faith's source. And it's no secret. The source of true faith is found in Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Jesus is the one the saints we've been reading of in chapter 11 look forward to but died without seeing. Yet together with us, we will see him in all his glory. Jesus, who endured the cross, that we might receive the gift of life, that will see no end. It is he, Jesus, who's the ultimate prize as we run the race. Throughout our study in Hebrews, we've seen time and again the people reminded that Jesus is greater than the individuals or institutions that they hold in such high regard. His words are true. His promises are sure. His sacrifice in our place means it is finished. Faith in him means our hope and assurance will stand any test, trial, or yes, even pandemic. 
Friends, the perseverance required in finishing the race set out for us is not found in our own success, talents or achievements. All of these things will at some point fall short of winning the prize. Nor is it found in the wise words of man, no matter how magnetic their personality, how gifted or popular they may be, no one can do for you what Jesus has already completed. You might be a regular attender at church services, maybe married to a follower of Jesus, or perhaps you're born into a Christian home. But faith is not hereditary. It's not passed from spouse to spouse, from parent to child. It doesn't happen by osmosis, where just being near other people with faith will grant us the ability to have it rub off. It requires us to take it for ourselves, to come to the cross, believing the promises of God, believing the word of God, that what he says is true. Faith begins and ends with Jesus Christ. He's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. No one comes to the Father but by him. And we, the church family here at Canterbury Gardens, implore you, to answer the call of Jesus upon your life. This is not an easy season, and I encourage you all, and I say this to myself regularly, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set out for us. So just in closing now, let me ask you, what are they? What is it that's weighing you down? that might be causing you to lose momentum in the race that is set out for you. Friends, is there any sin that is clinging to you which is ready to trip you up at any moment? Only faith in Jesus can bring these things to light. If any of the pastoral team can help you in the process of sorting through these issues. They would love to be able to do that. They would love to be able to talk with you, to share with you the hope of Jesus, the promises of God that are true because of the one who has made those promises. Friends, I encourage us all, run to him, run with him, run for him, Run as men and women of faith who have gone before us witness to the power, joy, the comfort, the confidence and ultimately the confirmation that his promises are true and his word is sure. Let me pray for us all now. Father God, we want to thank you for the goodness of your word, for the power of your word. Thank you that uh, you have called many of us to be men and women of faith. Lord God, we confess that it is in you that our faith is based upon, that it is built upon, that it starts at the cross, and as we continue to be inspired by your word, as we continue to reflect on your promises, we have total confidence in it because it is, comes from a God who does not lie, a God who is full of truth, of grace, of mercy, of love. Lord God, help us to embrace that even more as each day goes by that we might walk by faith and not by sight, 
that other people who are uh, in fear, other people who are struggling in their own lives might be able to look on at your people and see something of what it means to be people of faith. Lord God, be with us for those of us who are struggling in our race. May you show grace to us. May we have the courage to come before you and confess actually what you already know. If there are things that, uh, that we, your people, can do in helping each other, make us sensitive to that, that we might love and care for each other. We ask these things in your name because you hear and answer. Amen.